In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about the importance of baptism. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with the University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson on a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. I am uh, drinking a nice cup of coffee because it's a little blustery outside, and honestly, um, I don't really want to be out there. <laughs> so sitting inside, talking to you, drinking a cup of coffee—that's not, that's not a bad. That's not a bad way not to spend a little time. Not bad at all. I've got I've got a little espresso here. Uh, Katie and I got a, an espresso maker over Christmas, and, and we are just playing with it at this point. So it's been a lot of fun. If you start conducting this podcast in French because you're drinking espresso, <laughs> we're going to have issues. No worries there. Today, one of the things you did was you called this uh, first principle sermon. You talked about baptism. I like that. But let me ask you this. If everyone has sinned, and that was one of the arguments that you made, why is sin such a big deal? I'm going to actually start with, you know, even just talking about this being a first principle, and then I'm going to get to your direct That's question. Fine. So. What I am trying to do this year so that, you know, our, our members know, and if anybody even has questions, I'm trying to hit different areas uh, throughout the year, you know, trying to make sure that we're covering a, a broad basis of topics. And so while, for instance, last week's sermon wasn't, you know, I don't know that I even really talked about authority that much. It was an authority yeah. sermon because I was talking about the importance of relying on God's revelation and listening to Him. This week, I had said, I know I'm going to try to talk about something first principle. So baptism is certainly a first principle and talking about sin and grace, and which we're going to talk about in this podcast. Mm-hmm. So just to let you know, those who are listening know that there is some planning for what we're going to talk about this year. And if you want more information uh, about some of the areas that we're going to, because we're going to look at, you know, things related to family, we'll look at things related to, to morality, we'll look at things that, you know, just are, I have some weeks where I say, okay, current, current issues. And I don't know what those are right, right now, because who knows what the world will be like in, you know, three <laughs> months, whenever we talk yeah. about that. But also, if there are members who say, you know, I would like to hear some lessons about X over the year. Talk to me, and I'll either can tell you, yes, I'm gonna, I am gonna be addressing those kinds of lessons. And if I'm not, there are some weeks where we can put those in, or at least you know plan for that for the future. So certainly, I'm trying to speak to the things that that we need and, and just kind of cover a lot of a lot of different areas. So, being this is a first principle lesson, sin certainly factors into that. And you're right. Our main text this morning, we really didn't go out of the Book of Romans. Mm-hmm. But you asked, you know, if everyone has sinned, why is it such a big deal? Well, Paul addresses that head on in one verse, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, where he says, for all have sinned. Okay, so there you go. There's the premise of your question. We all have sinned. uh, And so that kind of puts us all on equal footing. And even though we as humans get caught up in different kinds of sins and and who, who does worse things, Fact is, we're all still sinners. We all sin. But here's the answer to the question and fall short of the glory Mm -hmm. of God. As humans, we we do kind of compare. And and so we may take comfort in the fact, well, we're all in the same boat because we all sin. 
And then I, I do tend to look around and say, well, my sins haven't necessarily had the dramatic consequences on maybe my family or on society at large or, or on the life of another person that, that other sins may result in. Point is, I'm not being like God. And if the goal of my life is to be no better or no worse than you know, the rest of humanity, well, okay, we can all achieve that. that that's right. We, you can wake up, you can fall out of bed in the morning and you've achieved that, right. you know, congratulations. We're, you're, you're average. <laughs> um, but we were created in the image of God going all the way back to Genesis one and verse 26, where God says, let us make man in our mm-hmm. image. And so since we're created in that image and what the Bible tells us about God throughout you know, throughout the scriptures is, well, you know, and all these kinds of things. When we look at sin and we wonder, well, why is telling a lie so bad? And you know, that's one of those things like, okay, if I, if I occasionally stretch the truth, that can in any way be as significant as someone who takes a life. Right. And from our standpoint, I, I certainly yeah. see that. But scripture says in passages like God who cannot lie. Mm-hmm. And that's important for us because I need to be able to trust God. I need to know that what God says to me is true. And if I follow him, he's going to keep his promises. So when I tell a lie, I'm not being like God. And that's the whole point. So that's why it's such a big deal. Kenny, you got things you, you know, I'd add to that. I think one of the things we call this podcast upward calling. Part of the answer that I was thinking about when I was writing this question was you're right. Everybody does sin. And, you know, I, I think about this as a parent, and it seems like every time we go to this this parent thing, just because all of my kids do the wrong thing on occasion doesn't mean that I don't want them to do better. And I think that's exactly what God wants from us as well. To note that everybody is a sinner is not to show how everybody is basically in the same boat, which is true. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But it, it's... it's uh, also an indictment of how bad we all are. God wants us to be something that is better than that. And it is not a, a downward call. It is an upward call. It is improvement. So we're getting ahead yeah. of ourselves. That's that's the end of the podcast. And I won't go there, but what I'm, <laughs> what I'm going to say is, I, I know that, and you're exactly right, we, we tend to judge ourselves by the people who are next door to us. And, and, and that's a, that's a terrible thing to do. I do it too. I mean, I'm I'm not, I'm indicted on this as well, but I think one of the things that, that we would do better to do is judge yourself by yourself. That's not a bad standard. Judge yourself by God and you will always fall short. So to a certain extent, you need to figure out, okay, how can I get better than what I was yesterday? Realizing that the standard that I'm actually striving for is God himself. And so just because I'm doing better than a lot of other people, big deal. Are you getting closer to God or not? One of the things you talk about, and it's something that we, as Christians, that, that it's difficult to, to put our minds around. It's, it's difficult for me. Tell me about grace. What is it and why is it such a big deal, especially in light of sin? So let's, let's talk about grace in the, in the big picture, because... And this is not necessarily related to our uh, discussion today, but there are things that are said from time to time when when people 
contrast the Old and New Testaments, for instance, and and they'll talk about the Old Testament as a system based on law, and the New Testament as a system based on mm-hmm. grace. And I tell them, you're really mistaken here. We first have to understand grace is not a singular event. Now, there is a singular event <laughs> that demonstrates the grace of God in its fullest, but grace is not a singular event. We we speak of God being gracious because that's a part of who he mm-hmm. is. He is gracious. And stripped down maybe the easiest, you know, explanation um that that's given of grace is this idea that it's unmerited mm-hmm. favor or it's it's something that's done for us, but the significant thing is it's something that's done for us that we can't do for ourselves. Right. The Old Testament is full of grace. God makes promises to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you a land. Uh, through you, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. Abraham can't execute any of that on his right. own. God does this. God makes this happen. This is God being gracious to Abraham. And God is gracious to Abraham for centuries because God continues to keep those promises, even when Abraham's descendants show we're not deserving right. of this. God is gracious to Israel when they're in Egypt and they're calling out to him for deliverance. This is clearly, as we understand from the Old Testament text, not a people who are dedicated to God. Yet God, because he's mindful of his promise he made to Abraham, but more specifically, because he's gracious. And even when God brings him to Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, and he's going to give this law that they're supposed to follow— That law is predicated on grace. He says to them, you have seen how I have delivered you out of Egypt, how I bore you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. Therefore, if you'll keep my covenant, you'll be my special people. Well, that's grace. Mm -hmm. That's that's grace to Israel. So this idea of grace, we're looking at a God who does things for us because he loves us, even though we have disappointed him, we have fallen short of his glory. He does so many things for us that we can't do for ourselves. And you could look at any you know, infinite number of ways in which that's true. The lives that we live, the health that we have, whatever it may be, God's grace continuing to be bestowed on us. But when it comes to our salvation, and I'll, I'm going to stay here in the same text where we um, where were in the first question. So we read from Romans 3 and verse 23, but you read the next verse. So after we see that in verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. And, and I talked about this some in the sermon this morning. And Kenny, I know you'll, you'll put that in the, the link to the show notes. So anybody hasn't actually listened to the sermon, click on that link, listen to the sermon. And, and I talked about justification. And, and Kenny, I'm going to throw it over to you for a second here, you know, because there are these terms that get thrown out there, you know, quite often we talk about sanctification, we talk about justification. They all get at the same thing, but they're not the same thing. How would you, you know, say, you know, even explain that to somebody, you know, we're sanctified and we're justified, the same thing, but not the same thing. If you're sanctified, I hate to use some of the definitions that we use because we get so used to the definitions that we don't think what they mean. So for example, grace is unmerited favor. And I've gotten to the point where I, I talk about gra- grace is a gift you could not get yourself. I think that's basically the same idea. When you talked about sanctification, we understand that what that means is it's set apart. And and that's that's the easy definition for that. But it, it's easier for me to th- th- to think that, that sanctification means you've been singled out. 
that 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 you've got a, a different mission. You've got something different that you're doing, and 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 that's because God has singled you out to do something. And and then when you talk about justification, you go right back to we are all sinners, and there was mm-hmm. a price we could not pay, and Jesus paid it. We have been justified. We could not justify ourselves. We mm-hmm. could not justify what we did. So God justified it for us through his son. Yeah. The way I look at those two things is that we're, we're talking about the different sides of the same coin. You know, we're talking about salvation. Yeah. But one side of that coin is, I don't deserve to be saved. Right. And my actions are what had determined that I don't deserve to be saved. Well, God is gracious. Right. God is gracious in that he has provided a way for me who doesn't deserve to be saved because of my transgressions. Well, he, he's going to justify mm-hmm. me. He's going to, I don't want to necessarily say in the terms of he will make me deserving because I'm still not deserving, but he will justify me. He will clear me of, the, of those charges. And so I can, I can be saved. Then the opposite side of that is, is the, maybe looking at the more positive aspect of it. I'm now holy. I'm set apart. I am different. I'm singled out. Yeah. This is a part of my salvation. And, and both happen because God is gracious. I, I can't do anything about either one right. of those. No matter how much I repent, I could never justify myself. Yeah. No matter how differently I act from the rest of the world, I still cannot sanctify myself. Right. Only God and what he has done for us in Christ Jesus can do that. And that's why we talk about salvation being God's grace. Right. I talked to my son, Jake, about this in my other podcast. I remember when I was in college, and I don't know why this happened to college, but it happens to a lot of people in college, where they feel like they are on the, on the revolving door of going to heaven or not. Your feeling about whether you're going to heaven depends on what kind of day you've had. It, well, how good was your last decision? And I think one mm-hmm. of the things that, and, and I have said this before, and I will probably say it again. I am the most happily confused about grace because the more I learn about grace, the better off I am. I am somebody who is a very imperfect vessel. And (laughs) I understand that, but I don't recognize over and over again, God understands that better than I do. He knows I'm an imperfect vessel. It's not that I can't forfeit grace, but it's also like I can't merit heaven. And God knew that, and he took care of that for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So baptism puts us into a relationship with God. Talk, talk to me about this magic water, Josh, that, that suddenly changes us from being terrible sinners. That is not hyperbole. Suddenly makes us yeah. justified with God. Well, let me tell you about that magic water. So what happens is on Monday, we have the elders come and they pray over the water. <laughs> uh, on Tuesday, JP and I go and we we sprinkle the magic dust on right. the water, um, and we just keep repeating that process. And, and so that when someone is baptized, you know their sins are forgiven. <laughs> Kenny, that's a great question that that I don't have. I don't have the great answer for no. you. Yeah. How I even tried to put it this morning because we're we're in Romans. And we're talking about a book where, you know, Martin Luther, and by the way, this is, I think you mentioned, you know, even, I mentioned the Reformation, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, I didn't necessarily explain the Reformation, you know, and there's, there's so many things that we can't take for granted. Right. So Reformation was this whole era in history where 
different religious thinkers and, and leaders who were very disenchanted with the church, the dominant church of the day, which was the Roman mm-hmm. Catholic Church, and, and disenchanted for good reason, tried to reform the church. They tried to reform the church from within, and they tried to make it more scriptural. Right. They were successful to a degree, and in other areas, not as successful as far as, you know, they didn't necessarily go with exactly what Scripture said. There was still a lot of tradition and a lot of, uh, you know, making decisions based on councils and what have you. But all this goes back, and, and Martin Luther is is the the guy that got all this ball rolling, and Romans was a huge book for mm-hmm. him. And, and the idea that we're saved— not on the basis of our works, but we're saved on the basis of faith. Now, understanding from his perspective, he's dealing with a church that tells you, you can go and kill somebody, but if you'll contribute enough money mm-hmm. to the church in Rome and say enough prayers, you're forgiven. Mm-hmm. You can work your way out of that. Well, so Martin Luther had a very good reason to preach against works and do trumpet faith. And he uses Romans, and for good reason. Romans is about, we're saved by God's grace, and we access that through faith. But when we come to Romans 6, and we talk about how mm-hmm. we bury an old man, and we're raised to walk in newness of life, the word faith isn't found there. Mm-hmm. The word baptism is. And how I put this to people is, don't, don't get caught up in, in, in the arguments about faith and works, because a lot of people say baptism yeah. is a work, and you're trying to be justified by a work. That is us muddying up the waters. Let's just look at it how God describes it. God wants us to be people of faith, people who put trust in him. And so if God says to me, just like he did to Naaman in the Old Testament, this, this leper who comes from another country, and God says, go and dip in the Jordan River seven times, and Naaman says, I don't want to do that because that's dirty water. I, the rivers where I'm from are much better rivers. But ultimately, he's convinced, well, if God says this is what you should do, well, why don't you go try it? All right. So God's saying to me, be baptized and I'm going to forgive you of your sins. And mm-hmm. I can argue with God all I want, but it's it's just water. And that's that's me doing something. And I think yeah. we're I think we're missing the point here. He's asking me to trust him. And if I trust yeah. him, I'm going to follow what he says. I'm going to say, "Okay, I'm going to be baptized and I'm not doing anything here to earn or merit salvation. I'm simply trusting God that you said I'm going in this water." guilty of sin, I'm coming out of this water clean and living a new life. And then we'll still go and pray over the water later, but just to make sure. All of God's great victories, I mean, I think about Jericho. Marching around a wall is a terrible military strategy. It it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You could say the same thing with Gideon. You can say with the hallmark of, of, of most of the things that God wants to do is if you do it without God, it just makes absolutely no sense at all. I think that's what's going on with baptism as well. Is there magic in the water? No, there's not any magic in the water. What's the magic? It's in the obedience. This is what mm-hmm. you want me to do? Okay, I got it. I can do that. I think that's the whole thing about baptism. You tied baptism into being a disciple. How does baptism work with grace? Uh, I'll, I'll look at those you know, distinctly. So the baptism being a disciple. So Kenny, as you know, we, we talked about discipleship mm-hmm. a, a little while at the end of the last year. And just kind of focusing on this idea of, you know, disciples are are like their master. I don't remember how 
and maybe it was just in my in my daily reading, but I came across that statement that I began with this morning where Jesus urged his disciples to to take up their cross and follow him. And the more I got to looking at that, and, and we think of that statement, and maybe we think, well, I, we know he said that. Well, he said it a lot. Yeah, he, he said it several times. And so this is a part of discipleship. And, and where was Jesus going as he says, I'm, I am going to the cross, I'm going to my death, and then I'm going to be raised. So I was looking at baptism from that standpoint. This is how, in a very real sense, yeah. I carry that cross. I, I go exactly where he went. He went to the grave. And from Romans 6, that's what baptism is. I, I'm buried, so I'm in the grave, and then I'm raised. Well, yeah. and of course, that's grace. I, I, I have, I, I'm following, but in following, I receive what God promises, and, and we can tie this whole thing together. You know, we, our first question was, you know, why is sin such a big deal? Well, sin's such a big deal because it makes me different from God. It makes me, you know, not, not achieving His glory. But in baptism. I'm now walking in newness of life. This this is a new man. This is the man that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 is now created in the very image of God. So that's grace. Uh, so me being a disciple, following Jesus, following him wherever he goes, including to the grave and then being raised from the grave, I receive grace. And I receive the the privilege of being made into what God wanted me to be in the first place. You also use this phrase. You, you talked about how sin has reigned over us. What does it mean that sin mm-hmm. reigns over us? That's a really good question, because I think when we when we use that, and I'm just yeah. using the terminology that Paul used here in, in Romans 5 and 6, when we th- say things like that, though, someone may be confused and saying, you know, I, I know I have sin in my life, but most of my life, or not all of my life anyway, is me doing bad things. And and the people that I know around me, yes, they have issues, they have things they need to repent of, but they're also not bad people. So how can we say that sin reigned over them? And really, that's... I use that term, and outside of the context of Romans, it may not make the most sense, because what Paul is doing is he's he's writing to believers, some were Gentile believers, some were Jewish believers, and particularly the Jewish believers were having a hard time with, well, we know the world is lost. We, however, well, you know, we've always kind of been God's people. And Paul makes a big point in in, in Romans 2 in particular about how, how these and would seem like Jewish believers they knew all these bad things that the world was doing, and yet Paul turns it back on them and says, yeah. you're doing the same things yourself. Now, were they doing it to the same degree? No. Were they maybe engaged in some of the you know terrible idolatrous practices and immoral practices that were going out in the world? No. But they were still lost in sin, and sin was reigning over them. So what I mean by by uh, sin reigning in us is the idea, not that all of my life is defined by sin, but because I have sin in my life, that, that has changed the relationship between me and God. And because of that, sin is the dominant principle in my life. It, it separated me from God. 
And so only when I am this disciple and I have been buried and I have been raised, then sin isn't reigning in me anymore. It cannot hold me. It cannot keep me from God. God's grace has made that impossible. That's the why the term, but I am glad for the question because I do think we need to be very realistic when we talk about people who need the gospel. We're not only talking about the people who we look at and say, oh, wow, they really have their life messed up. And we're talking about the people who seem to have their life, you know, in, in a fairly good place, but they still need God. They still need grace because sin is still reigning over them, even if it doesn't look that way. Yeah, it reminds me, and I, I think of this verse a lot, where Jesus says, I only came for sick people. I did not come for people who are well. I, it's, it's too bad you guys don't recognize you're sick. How does baptism help us with God's upward call? You know, I think there's a lot of ways that we could go with this, but the, the way that I want to kind of look at it is the upward call has a, yeah. has a starting point for all of us. The upward call begins in the grave. Jesus mm-hmm. was raised from the grave, and then he spent 50 days with his disciples here, and then he ascended into heaven. Well, our call is we ascend from the waters of baptism to a new life, to one day ultimately be ascend to him in heaven. Uh, so mm-hmm. that that's that's the starting place. That's that's where that walk in Christ truly begins. Now we may have been learning about God and, and putting more faith in God up to that point, but that walk truly begins at that point when yeah. we've left an old man behind buried it, yeah. and now we're raised to walk a new yeah. life. I, I think part of that also, just, just getting really practical, stop seeing yourself as, as always righteous. Start seeing the parts of yourself that need help, because that's what God here, is here for, and that baptism is to put away your problems. And if you don't recognize your problems, you've got a bigger problem. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, tell me what's going on next week, Josh. So next week, I will actually be out of town. I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas, where the weather may not get out of the 40s the entire weekend that I'm there. So really looking forward to that. (laughs) But we typically, once a year, our our elders speak to us about some of the things we've got going on for the year and some of the plans. And so that is the, the aim for next Sunday, that the elders are going to speak to the congregation about you know, some of the things we've got going on in 2022. Well, that sounds good. We'll try and get to talk to one of the elders about that, but we will absolutely have something for you to listen to next time. So, Josh, have a great trip, and I will see you when you get back, man. All right. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have all of our information at University Church of Christ. Dot org, including the sermon that we discuss in this episode. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.